His grace still amazes me. How could he save a sinner like me? Whew. Amazing. Mark, will you lead us, please, before we start? Amen. Thank you, Gibbs. Uh, we'll be in John if you want to turn there. Uh, John 3, specifically. The title of the lesson today is What Horse Are You Riding? What Horse Are You Riding? That's an interesting topic, I think. I was reading a story, and I'm sure it's true. I'm sure it is, but. I was reading the story about two farmers, Farmer Pete and Farmer Dale. And they were neighboring farmers, and they did a lot of things together. And they were, they were really good friends. And, but every year they would hold a competition just to see who could, who could win. And every year this happened, and every year Farmer Pete always won. No matter what the competition was, Farmer Pete always won. Well, Farmer Dale, he, he got tired of losing. He was kind of a competitor, and he got tired of losing. So uh, this year, he goes to Farmer Pete and says, uh, I think what we want to do, the competition will be a horse race. Farmer Pete said, yeah, sounds good. We'll, just, we'll put a couple of horses up, and we'll just run them and see who's got the best horse. Well, uh, Farmer Pete didn't understand that Farmer Dale who was always losing, hires a professional jockey to ride his horse. Get a little, just a small advantage there. So on race day came and the race begins and Farmer Dale and his professional jockey take off and man, they are right out of the gate. They're links ahead and, and the horses are coming down on the back stretch and and, and Farmer Dale's horse is kind of getting a little tired, and Farmer Pete's horse is kind of coming up to him and meeting him, and all of a sudden, the two horses collide, and they fall to the turf and, and knock both of, the, both of the jockeys off the horses. Well, the professional jumps up, jumps on the horse, rides to the finish line, and gets there first. Farmer Dale is ecstatic. Finally, he goes, finally, I'm able to win something. Man, I, this is a good deal. And he was so excited. And then after a few minutes, so he begins, he begins to kind of cry and get sad. And Farmer Pete goes, what's, 
what's going on here, Farmer Dale? What's going on? You, you're, you just won the race. And he said, yeah, I know. But my jockey was riding the wrong horse. Farmer Pete's horse really crossed the line first. Wouldn't it be a tragedy in your life or my life that as we race toward the finish line of our life and we fix them to step into eternity that we've been riding the wrong horse all these years. What a tragedy. When we step into eternity and Jesus said, depart from me, I never knew you. And you were thought you were on the right horse. You see, we ride a lot of horses in our lives. Did you know this? We ride a lot of horses that says, uh, says I, I, I believe I can be good enough to get into heaven. I ride the horse that says, man, if I just have enough good deeds in my life that, that the good deeds will outweigh the bad deeds. And, and I ride that horse of good deeds thinking that's all I need to do. Or I ride the horse of coming to church and, and, and sitting in a pew a couple of times a month. And maybe I sing and maybe I give and maybe I, I drive a few nails, if you would. And I ride that horse thinking that's what all I need in my life. Or maybe I ride the horse that says, uh, you know, my parents were believers. <laughs> Surely there's, there's some carry over there. And I'm basing my eternity on my parents and not on myself. And we know that's not going to work. Or you ride the horse that says... Um, I believe a loving God, a loving God, He would never send anybody to hell. And you know, I have to agree with that one because God never sends anybody to hell. Did you know that? God does not reject you. You reject God. And we ride that horse thinking God's so loving He would never do that. We ride the horse that says, I am good enough. And I don't need a Savior to get me there. I, I, I heard on, all right, here, I've read it this week. There was some actress that, that posted, and, and she says, I can promise you, I can promise you that there is no hell. I don't know how she can promise that. She was riding the horse that says, there is no hell. That is a lie and deception. But that's her horse that she's riding. And, she'll, and if she doesn't get saved, she'll ride that to her finish line. And when she steps into eternity, she'll find out maybe that's not right. What a tragedy to be riding a horse all of your life. And that horse is going in the wrong direction. Unbelievable. In John 3, we're going to read about a guy that was riding the, the wrong horse. Who was taking him in the wrong direction. And we're going to look at a guy by the name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus. What a, what a dude. Okay. Nicodemus. Nicodemus' name comes from two Greek words. Nica. Nica, which means uh, all strong, all powerful, all conquering, superior. The word Demas means of the people. So you put the two together, <laughs> what do you got? The word Nicodemus says, I am more powerful, more supportive than all the people. I am more important 
than all the people. And can you imagine living your life knowing that's who you are? I mean, that's who you are. I'm Nicodemus. I'm, I'm better than you. Wow. Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Nicodemus believed in the Hebrew law, if you would. He was a defender of the Hebrew law. Nicodemus was part of the Sanhedrin, the Supreme Court of its day. In verse 1, we see Nicodemus. He is a ruler of the Jews. He's somebody. In verse 10, we see that he is the teacher of Israel. Not a teacher. He is the teacher of Israel. Nicodemus was thought to be the most moral, upright, religious, righteous person in Jerusalem and maybe in the surrounding areas. Can you believe it? I mean, he was somebody. He had prestige. He had position. He had power. And he had popularity. He had it all. He had everything that man says, I want in order to be successful. And in his, his day, he would be considered successful, successful. In our day, that's kind of what some of us want, isn't it? We want those kinds of things in our lives in order to make us successful. But something was happening in Nicodemus' life. You see, Nicodemus was riding the wrong horse. He was riding the wrong horse. And he knew deep down in his spirit that something was missing. Something just wasn't adding up in his life. I have all of this stuff in my life and I am somebody. Matter of fact, I am superior to everybody according to my name. But there's something different, Nicodemus would say. It's something just not right, Nicodemus would say. And as Nicodemus heard the stories of Jesus, and he heard of the miracles, and he heard of the teachings, he, he was excited in order to come to meet this man, to see if this man could help him. And in verse 2 we read, he said, I came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, you know that you have come from God as a teacher. No one can do these things these signs that you do unless God is with them. Nicodemus came at night. They say, why did he come at night? Well, was he embarrassed about coming to talk to Jesus? I don't know, maybe. Was he afraid of what the rest of the Pharisee would say? Yeah, maybe. But I'd, I'd like to take the positive twist on it. I think he came to Jesus to talk to him because he knew that he needed Jesus in his life. He had tried everything else in his life, but he knew he needs Jesus. So he comes to Jesus at night when, when the crowds weren't around Jesus. And Jesus would have been by himself. And Nicodemus comes to him and speaks to him. You know, he had prestige, he had power, he had position, he had popularity. And yet something was missing in his life. I think there's people today in this auditorium and people that will listen to us on, the, on Facebook, if you would, that have the same are riding the same horse that Nicodemus is. We're riding the, the same horse and we're looking for fulfillment. We look for peace. We look for joy. We look for happiness. And we look for the things of the world to give that to us. And like Nicodemus, it doesn't do that. Maybe, maybe we look for church. Maybe we look for religion. Maybe we look for goodness. 
Maybe we read all the self-help books that we can get trying to find fulfillment, to find what's going to fill this gap that I have in my heart. And we look and we look and Nicodemus was looking and he couldn't find anything. And why couldn't he? He was looking in all the wrong places, Brian. He was riding the wrong horse. And we see in verse 3 that when, when in verse 2, when Nicodemus says, man, you are a good teacher. Man, you, what you're doing comes from God. He's trying to butter him up, is he not? But Jesus, I mean, goes straight to the juggler, doesn't he? I mean, he, he doesn't want to hear the compliments. Jesus doesn't want to have, hey, good, you're a pretty good teacher. Yeah, and he, yeah. No, Jesus goes straight to the heart because he knew exactly what Nicodemus needed. Jesus knows exactly what you and I need. And in verse 3, we read about it. He says, in the second part of verse 3, he says, unless one is born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And you skip down to verse 7, where it says, you must be born again. That's not maybe, that's not could be, that's not why don't you think about it? Why don't you put it off for a while? Jesus said, Nicodemus, your issue, your problem, what you are looking for in life can only be filled if you are born again. If Nicodemus, if you want to see heaven, if you want to spend eternity in heaven, it is a necessity. It is a requirement that you what? You must be born again. There is no other way for you and I to experience heaven Unless we've been born again. Not an option any other way. There is no other horse to ride except to be born again. Well, what did Jesus say, mean when he said you must be born again? I mean, what does that mean? It means that you must be born from above. It means that you must be spiritually having a new birth. It means that God, through His Son, Jesus Christ, will give you eternal life in heaven if you just will believe in His Son. That's what He wants to do. He wants to give you eternal life. That's what it means to be born again. It is being born from above. 1 Peter 1.3 will say it this way. Blessed is the man, blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because of Jesus and the blood He shed on His cross, Jesus longs to, to birth us from above. You know, there's nothing greater in this life or the afterlife than being born again. There is nothing that happens on this earth that causes the angels in heaven to sing and rejoice. There's nothing on this side of heaven that causes the angels to go set a plate on the, on the marriage feast of the Lamb and puts another plate at the table and says, this is, this is who belongs on this one at this place setting. Believers, we're all going to do that one of these days. Nothing on this side of heaven causes that to happen except when a man or a woman is born again and they accept Jesus Christ 
as Lord and Savior. What a great, great event that is. Well, how do we do that? How do we get born again? Well, I've got some good news and i got some bad news. <laughs> what do you want first? The good news or the bad news? <laughs> yeah, let's get the bad news over with first, okay? Let's get the bad news of the gospel. You see, you can go to some churches and hear some preachers and you can go turn on the TV and watch it on Facebook and, and they're just going to give you one side of the story. They're just going to give you half of what it means to be born again. They're not going to give you the total counsel of God's Word. Well, that's not going to be here. We're going to give you both sides and let you decide. The bad news is every one of us are sinners. The bad news, every one of us deserves to spend eternity in hell. Well, that's good preaching, isn't it? That's the truth. Every one of us need a Savior. And if we don't have that Savior, we're going to spend eternity in hell. What does that mean? Well, Ephesians 2.1 says it this way. It says, And you were dead in your transgressions and your sins. You were dead, spiritually dead, in your sins. Romans 3.23 says this, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every person in this room is a sinner. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says what? For the wages of sin, your sin, my sin, is death. There's a price to pay because of your sin. Holy God, that's how he set it up, didn't he? There's a price to pay. For the wages of your sin is death. Isaiah 59.2 says it this way. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and God. And your sin has hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. For those of us that are not, that have been born again, have not been born again, our sin, our iniquity has separated us from God. And it says our sin has caused God's face to turn away from us so he does not hear. Isaiah 64, 6 says, even with all of our good efforts and our best efforts and all the good things that we do, the things that we do, the Bible says, are but filthy rags. God has a high expectation, does He not? He has a high ceiling, does He not? And He says, you cannot be good enough because the good that you do is nothing but filthy rags compared to His perfection. Revelation 20, 14 and 15 says it this way. He says, And death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And anyone's name not written in the book of life, he too was thrown into the lake of fire. There are consequences for sin. There's consequences for the way we live. That's straight from God's Word. Man, you go, man, Don. So that's, that's hard stuff. Wait, wait. Why you give us so many verses? That's not good preaching, Don, to talk about sin. I mean, that's not going to fill a church up. Well, maybe not. But it's the truth. Without the bad news, you cannot appreciate the good news. Did you know that? Without understanding that you are a sinner, 
that are head, that is heading for hell, you will never appreciate what Jesus Christ did on the cross. You got to know the bad before you can know the good. You got to understand that without Christ in your life, you have no hope. You have no hope. Until we realize the hopelessness of your situation, you realize the hopelessness of your sin, you will never understand the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. You have to understand that you are hopeless without Him. And when you understand that, then you can appreciate what Jesus did on the cross. You can't have one without the other. If you don't believe you're a sinner, you will never believe you need a Savior. That's, that's about as simple as it gets. Until you understand that we are all sinners, you will never need a Savior. Satan is out to deceive you. Did you know that? Yes. 25 years ago, what was it? Uh, they were, they were, the experts were telling us that, that uh, when we were raising kids, never, never get upset at little Johnny. Don't correct little Johnny. For sure, don't spank little Johnny. Because you will warp their minds. You will cause them to be unself-assurance. You will take their self-confidence away when you refuse to correct them and show them that, no, this is not right. And the philosophy of the day says, don't do that. Because look, what look what's going to happen later on in the world. They'll grow up and they'll have no, not a self-image. And I think today we can see all across America the results of that philosophy. You see, Satan knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. The Bible tells us how to raise kids. And the world said, no, don't do it this way. I've got a better way. And we, we bought into it. And now look at what we've got. Satan is deceiving us. Satan does not want you to understand that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. He wants you to think, boy, you guys are good. Everything's hunky-dory in your life. That man, life is just great because you've been told that all of your life. And when you get told that all your life, you understand you don't need a Savior. And that's exactly what the enemy wants. He wants you to understand that you don't need a Savior. But I'm here to tell you the Bible says differently. The Bible says we're all sinners in need of a Savior. That's the bad news. Well, what's the good news? Well, here's some good news. This is a little easier to talk about. The good news says God loves you. <laughs> and let me repeat that. The good news is God loves you. No matter what you have done, God loves you. Let me try it again. Whatever you have done, whatever horse you have ridden in your life, God's Word says He still loves you. And He still wants to say, Come to me. How do I know that? John 3, 15, 16, 17, and 18 tells me that. I think we've got that up there, don't we? John 5, 3, 15 says, So that whoever believes in Jesus will have eternal life. Bingo. Pretty simple. For God so loved the world that He gave us His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall never perish spiritually but will have eternal life in heaven. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, 
but the world through him might be saved. What a, what a blessing, what a promise. He who believes in Jesus is not judged, not condemned. But he who has not believed is condemned or judged already, the Bible says, because you have not believed in the, in the, in the name of the only begotten Son of, of God. What's some promises in that verse? And you just look at that. He, got, he loves us and he sent his son to die on a cross. And he says, I want, to, I want to bless you, God says. He said, I want to bless you. He said, I, I want a relationship with you. I want to be able to talk. He said, I want to be able to mold you into the person that I want you to be. I want to shape you and I want to mold you so that you can have the life that I have here on this earth just for you. He wants that for us. And he says, I want to give you a gift, a special gift. And that gift is my son. That gift is my son. And, he, and, he, and, and it, like any other gift, you can't work for it, you can't strive for it, you can't do anything. You just have to accept it. And he said, man, would you accept my gift? Jesus said, just accept my gift. Because your works won't get you there. How good you are won't get you there. But God said, the gift that I give to you will get you there. And that gift is Jesus Christ. The bad news says, we're all sinners. Destined for a sinner's hell. The bad news is, if you don't accept Christ as Lord and Savior... When your horse finishes, crosses a finish line of life, you have nothing, no other option at that point. You've ridden your horse as far as you can go. And the bad news says, if you haven't accepted my son, then your eternity is set for you in a place called hell. The good news is God loves you. God sent his son to die on a cross for you. The good news is that Jesus came and walked on this earth, lived a perfect life, sacrificed himself on the cross, paying the sin debt that you and I all have. And he said, your debt, your sin debt, what I did on the cross, stamped in full. Hallelujah. What grace he gave us. I don't know about you, but that is really good news that he was willingly went to the cross. Shed his blood, died on there for you and for me. Well, how do you do that? How do, how do, what, what do we got to do here in order to get, accept Christ as Lord and Savior in life? Well, Romans 10 9 tells us this. Boy, it's a simple deal. Simple. I mean, it doesn't take rocket science to get born again, did you know it? Romans 10 9 says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead. The last part of that says what? You shall be saved. You shall be born again. You shall have a life for eternity in heaven. Romans ten thirteen. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord. What? Shall be saved. Shall be saved. You got to recognize that you are a sinner. In need of a savior. And when you do that, all you have to do is put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That He will be your Savior for an eternity. 
And that you can trust Him on this side of heaven. And you can trust Him on the other side of this old earth. Hmm. John 14, 6 says this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no woman comes to the Father but through me, Jesus said. If you're riding a horse of goodness, if you're riding the horse that said, I don't believe God is going to send anybody to hell. If you're riding the horse of religion, coming to church, doing all those kind of religious things, but you're not riding the horse of relationship with Jesus Christ, if you're not doing that, your horse is headed in the wrong direction. And when your horse crosses the finish line to eternity, you're going to be shocked. And I say that with all the love I got. You're going to be shocked when he says, depart from me, I never knew you. That is the, maybe the saddest thing that anybody could say. But it's the truth. And if you don't get the truth, you get nothing. So the question is, what horse are you riding today? What horse are you riding today? Is your horse running the race of life as we know it here? Or are you riding the horse of salvation of Jesus Christ? That when your horse finishes that line and runs into eternity, then you will have a home in eternity. Because he said, that's how I set it up for you. Why would I ever do that? Because I love you so much, he says. So what horse are you riding? The horse of my ability, the horse of my goodness, the horse of something I think maybe will happen? Or are you riding the horse that says, I know exactly what's going to happen? That's a question for us today. The Bible says salvation is today of salvation. As the piano plays, no, 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 we've got Dirk back there. Uh, during our invitation time, I'm going to ask you the question, and I want every person in this room to evaluate what horse are you riding? Where is that horse taking you for eternity? As we bow our heads and close our eyes, I'm going to ask you to do business with God right now. If you feel uncomfortable within your spirit, that's probably the Holy Spirit saying, you need to deal with that. Believer, if you're good to go, I'm asking you to pray for people right now. If you're not, if you've never been born again, I want to ask you to come accept Christ as your Savior right now. Get it nailed down. Get it solved. Home in heaven for eternity. Forever and forever and forever. Here is your opportunity. This is serious business. Eternity is serious business. As, as your pastor, I can't let this just slide. I'm not going to. If you've never been born again, you can come right now and accept Him as Lord and Savior. Christians pray. Examine your own heart, if you would. For things in your life that need to be changed. I'll be here at the front.
Don't let pride keep you from your Savior. Don't let pride do that. Satan says, you don't need to go today. You don't need to make it happen today. We were never promised tomorrow, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen. Today is the day of salvation. This is extremely important because it is eternity that we're looking at. Don't let pride, don't let what people would say, none of that. Don't let that stand in your way. That's what Satan wants you to do. Just sit there. Don't let him do that to you. Step out in that aisle and just come get him. If you're wanting to join up with our church, uh, we are here for that. Just come on if you want to do that. If you have something you want to talk about, just come on. We'll talk. The altars are open for anyone. Inviting you to come. Come broken. Come mended. Whatever you've done in your life, God will forgive that. And He'll cleanse you from all of your sins. with the invitation. I just think there's somebody that needs to respond. Come, come as you are. Come to be forgiven. Come to be pardoned for all that you've done. Father God, we thank you for today. Father, we are so thankful, so thankful that you sent your son to die on a cross to pay my sin debt. I'm so thankful for the grace that you give to us, God, where you don't give me what I deserve. So thankful. Father, my prayer is that everyone in here has accepted you as Lord and Savior. But if there's one or two or five or ten that haven't, God, I pray that that this seed that has been planted in the hearts of, of folks will one day bloom, will one day cause people to wonder what I need to do. And Father, I pray this seed will blossom 
into a salvation, whether today or tomorrow, the next day, next week, God. Father, I pray that your word, we have sent it out, and you have promised us, God, that the word that we have sent out will not come back void. So, Father, I'm claiming that promise today to you, God. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you that, that what we have done is pleasing to you. Father, again, thank you. Thank you is not a big enough word for what Jesus did on the cross. But that's all I got. So, Father, we are thankful that you did that for us. In your name, I pray these things. Amen. Well, we've got, we've got good news. We've got this, this gal coming up here. I, and let me see you, card. I need your name. Um, this is Brooklyn Lacey. This is my daughter in love son. <laughs> she has come to unite with our church. Uh, Drew's already a member. Uh, she has talked to me, wanted to know what we needed to do, and, and uh, I invited her to join. And what you need to remember, you bet. I did not pressure her. Yeah, there you go. I didn't pressure her, didn't make her do it. They've been kind of looking around and going some other places. And I, and I just told her, I said, uh, I don't want you coming here uh, just because you're family. I don't want you coming here just because of who is here or who is not here. I said, I want you to come because you know that God wants you here. And this is your home don't come if that's not the case. I don't know if that's good pastor or not, but that's pretty good truth, I think. Don't come unless God tells you to come. Because if you're in the wrong spot, you might not be able to be used. But if you're in the right spot, God's going to use you. So we welcome her and him and little Kimbo somewhere, wherever she is. She's around somewhere. Do what? She's playing the piano. She's playing the invitation song. Okay, that's good. Um, but uh, when we get done, just uh, please come by and, and give her an elbow, if you would, um, uh, of the right elbow of friendship. How's that, okay? I think, I think that's what, what you've got to do these days. But let her know that we are excited. Let them know we are excited that uh, they have come to join our church, to unite with us, to, to, to come and to work and to serve and to worship. What a great thing. Uh, anybody else got anything before I, before I go? I'm going to pray here, and then we'll get out of here. Come up and visit with them. Thank you, Kimber. Okay. All right, let's pray. Father, we just are blessed by, by bringing these to us, Father. We thank you that they have chosen to be united with us. Father, I pray we'll be a, a people that encourage them. And in turn, Father, I know that they can be an encouragement to us. So, Father, we, are, we, we thank you for all your blessings, and this is a blessing to this church. And, Father, I pray they will be a blessing to you as they serve and minister here. Father, we love you. We thank you for those that are here. We thank you for your word. And, Father, we just look forward to serving you this week. In your name, I pray these things. Amen.